Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, are you ready to turn the page to week two? Carson, I am so, it's just, it's a great time of year. Week two is coming up. Oklahoma State's playing a power five opponent, uh, albeit not a, not a very powerful power five opponent, but still power five. Nonetheless, uh, the NFL starts tonight. It's, I mean, it's great. It's a great time of year. Oh, it's the best. And um, I got to say, just as I was ready to turn the page to week two, I got a tweet from an Iowa punter truther, which we'll get, we'll get to the reason why, but no, he, he was an Iowa punter truther. So like, just as I was ready to turn the page to week two, I get this in my mentions and I'll, I'll we'll hit on that when I get to the Spencer Sanders uh, total lack of respect a la Rodney Dangerfield. It's been a total joke this week going into week two, but we'll get to that. But And, we're, of course, we got to talk about the Arizona State game coming up this weekend, finally a weekend game for the Cowboys. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboys shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I know Chris's will be bumping on Saturday. Uh, you want to stop by there. I mean, it's, it's in a convenient location there in Stillwater. So stop by Chris's, get the latest gear. Uh, Colby, I, I made a recent purchase uh, for game days. Uh, I got me some uh, orange pants, a la Ricky Fowler. Do you do you have do you own a pair of orange pants? I know your entire house is colored orange. You have an orange Christmas. Your mom has an orange Christmas tree. <laughs> orange pants for game day. I do not have orange pants. My wife has orange pants. My sister has orange pants. My mom has orange pants. Uh, I do not have orange pants. I, I think it's easier for women to find orange pants. I don't. Where do you even get men's orange pants? Uh, the Google machine. I mean, it's yes, it's not. They're not just on the shelves. You got to like oh, seek them uh, out. Actually, and, actually, I bet, and I don't know, but I bet Chris's has them. I bet they I, do. I bet they do. So go go by Chris's, get you some orange pants. The ones I got were are like the actual Ricky Fowler Puma golf pants. It's, it even says like go time on the inside. Remember when Ricky used to tweet that? But they're a little dated. They got like the the slit on the side of the the uh, cuffs on the on the legs, or kind of like. Uh, do you remember like when people would like cut into the cuff of the pant leg to like make it like go over the foot? You yes, I do. Yes. They're like, they come like that. So I, I need to get them tailored. I don't know if I can't pull, I can't be trying to look like I'm in 2007 or 2010 or whatever that was popular. Yeah, no doubt about it. You've got to, uh, you got to get with the program 2022. Uh, let's get to uh, our rundown here. We got Mike Gundy on the 12 team playoff. This was kind of announced uh, before our last show. And we had so much to get to last week that uh, we didn't really tackle it, but you know, Mike Gundy had a lot of things to say about the impending playoff going to 12 teams. He's not for it, which really surprised me, Colby. I mean, you just look at Oklahoma State and what they have to do in order to win a national championship just on its on face value, what they have to accomplish. I don't see how Mike Gundy could be opposed to a 12-team playoff. Now, he does go on to say that he thinks this will dilute the sport like college basketball. He says, quote, same thing in basketball. You can have eight, 10, 12 losses and still be a national champion so they don't have to watch during the season. I, I, I think he's off base here. 
Colby, Mike's been very progressive on a, on a lot of topics in college football, namely the playoff. But uh, I think he got this one wrong. What, what was your take on it? Uh, my take is that Mike Gundy and I could not disagree any more strongly just about the philosophical concept of college football, about what makes it great, about what makes it interesting to people, and about what can make it better. Uh, I, I totally disagree. I mean, he said that college football is not broken. I couldn't disagree more. I can't imagine at any time throughout the history of sports in America, major sports, there was ever a sport with less parity than college football has in it right now, that we, with less teams that have a chance to win the championship when the season starts. The, the argument about diluting the regular season and he even said uh, in, in his quote he said right now every game matters in college football well I mean how many programs is that actually true for there are a bunch of programs in college football and 99% of them know at the beginning of the year best case scenario maybe you fall backwards into a conference championship game the rest of them I mean what's Iowa State Every game matters. Every game doesn't matter for Iowa State. Every game doesn't matter for TCU. Every game doesn't matter for Oregon State. It's just I fundamentally disagree uh, with Mike Gundy uh, about what makes college football great. I think what makes college football great is the ties that we all have to these universities. You know, we've got family members who went there. We went there. We grew up in the town. We grew up near the town. We grew up around these teams. I, I think the the nostalgia of it and just the attachment to the universities is what makes it great. I think that college football will greatly benefit from exp an expanded playoff because, Carson, if Oklahoma State right now, as it stands, loses a game, their path to the college football playoff is so narrow it is unbelievable and even when everything goes right for Oklahoma State something goes wrong and 12 and 0 just isn't in the cards but take let's hop in a time machine and go forward five years now Oklahoma State loses a game in September and then one in the middle of October and guess what November still really matters that fan base still has something to really hang on to and I don't think going from four to 12 is going to make the regular season not matter in college football uh so you know I, I agree with just about every word Mike Gundy has said over the past two years but when it comes to the college football playoff uh and and what is great about college football uh Mike Gundy and I are just on two different sides Completely with you. I think you laid that out pretty well. And I, what I agree with most of what you said is the season has never mattered less than it does now. Alabama and Georgia, I mean, not every game even matters to them because, like like you said, like they know going into the season they can lose one game and still get into the playoff. Alabama knows they don't even have to win their division and they're getting in the playoff because of their namesake and and for the fact you mentioned there's no parity. Like, Georgia and Alabama are on different stratospheres right now. But, like, for Mike, like, and look, I, I certainly think 12, I, I would have preferred eight. I think I think on a given year, there's not 12 teams that could like, have an argument to make the playoff. There's typically six to eight teams that are worthy of getting into that four-team playoff. You win with eight, you get the five conference champs, and then you can have three at-larges, whoever they may be. Uh, while I do think 12 is too many, all you got to do, Colby, is look at the TV ratings. No one's watching these playoff games because they are complete just blowouts. I mean, no one has a chance to touch Georgia and Alabama in those semifinal games. And that's why they're doing this because no one's watching the games. Uh, doing it on New Year's Eve and, and New Year's Day, I, I think, has been a, a bad move as well. I think that hurts viewership. But make no mistake, Colby, the reason they're going to 12 is money. 
because, well, more, more games obviously equals more money. But more than anything, th- those TV ratings are plummeting. I mean, and as far as an Oklahoma State perspective, Oklahoma State, just, just go back to 2011. Like, I mean, they had to be absolutely perfect to make the two-team playoff. And they weren't. And I, I think, it, let's say there's a four-team playoff right now or, or back in 2011. You, you can't tell me that OSU was getting in a 14 playoff. You had Herb Street up there talking about eye tests. He probably would have wanted to put in another team from the SEC. Like the, the deck is firmly stacked against an Oklahoma state making the playoff. It just is. And with 12 teams, it also helps their conference standing. I mean, if you have a 12 team playoff, the big 12 champs get in every year. And that's something that the big, that the big 12 needs. And certainly Oklahoma state moving forward without Oklahoma and Texas, they definitely need it. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And, and I don't totally disagree with your point about eight. Uh, but I think that if you go to 12, you can get some better playoff games amongst the teams in the middle. And that's really what people want to see. It's, it's like, let's say Oklahoma State makes the playoff the first year as the nine seed, right? And I don't know how they're going to do it. Do you know, are they going to give the first four buys and then go from there? I believe so. Okay, so let's say the first four have buys that would put pit five against 12, six against 11, seven against 10, eight against nine. That eight, nine game, that seven, 10 game, that six, 11 game, that five, 12 game, those games that first weekend are going to be so unbelievably good. And that is just going to elevate college football to another level. I, I, I really truly think that the people who think, you know, well, Alabama and Georgia just run everybody over anyway. So what's the point of even doing this? The team that gets in at 12th isn't going to win the national championship. It doesn't mean it's not good for college football because the team that gets in at 12th, they might be able to beat the team that gets in at fifth. And yeah, sure. Alabama and Georgia can be one and two and they can roll whoever in the next round and play each other for the natty, but you're still going to get better quality postseason games. And you know what else you're going to get Carson? And this is why you need it because every fan base loves it. Every NFL team has it on draft day. You know, you and I, NFL starts in two hours. Everybody has it. Every team tonight, hope. Everyone loves hope. And you give that seventh-ranked fan base a chance to have a little bit of hope that they can get into the postseason, and then in a single elimination, anything can happen. I just... I, I can't see how it would possibly be bad for college football. I, I think it's going to be great, and I cannot wait to get out of this current system because I think that the, the current system, the way it's devised now, is uh, of everything that could be devised, this is the most boring. Instead of hope, I thought you were going to say on-campus playoff games, <laughs> which is what I also want. Can you imagine Stillwater for a college football playoff game, what that would be like? Yeah, like, first let's, round, host. I mean – I mean, imagine if they were matched up with SEC opponent Oklahoma in Stillwater for the playoff. I mean, <laughs> that that's why college football needs it. Just just saying that out loud just makes me smile. Like that would be just insane, and it would be so good for the sport. But but look, Mike's. We're certainly not criticizing Mike. I think he's 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 rightful to have his own opinions, and I'm glad he speaks on these things instead of just you know, blowing it off. Like, like Brent Venables blew it off and then talked about it for like three minutes at his press conference. So clearly it's an, an intriguing topic. Um, oh, yeah. I hope that that didn't come across as a Mike Gundy criticism. That's just, we have different opinions. We disagree. Yeah, absolutely. Have you calmed down uh, or are you less concerned about the defense now that we've had time to breathe and, 
and uh, look ahead to uh, week two because uh, Pistols Firings, Kyle Cox wrote about OSU's defensive growing pains that should be expected, he says, and communication is key. A lot of good quotes in here on, on Pistols Firing from Brendan Evers, uh, uh, Sean Michael Flanagan as well, just about their communication, the fact they're rotating a bunch of guys in there. Have, have you calmed down about the defense at all? Uh, I guess it depends on what you mean by, by calmed down, you know, Again, things were not great last week. Context is important. Uh, it was really late in the game when everything started to get away from them. If they have another good first half performance, first three quarters performance, I think I'm okay. It's just, Carson, I think that as Oklahoma State fans, we've been conditioned to assume that any season that comes remotely close to what last season was defensively is an outlier. And I think that we're all just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? We're, we're just waiting for another Oklahoma State season where the offense is elite, but they lose two or three games in which they score 41 points. And it's, it's hard to retrain your brain on that stuff, man, especially after that first game, you got to give up 44 to Central Michigan. It just feels like the backslide is coming, and I'm trying not to let myself go all the way there after one bad half of defensive football because it was really just one bad half of defensive football. Uh, I, I am concerned, Carson, but it's not panic button time. Let's see who that, how they do against Arizona State. If they opened conference play and their first three games were against Kansas, Iowa State, and TCU, I would probably be less concerned. The fact that you are getting on the plane and going to Waco, Texas, first just right out of the gate for conference play. That's why I'm concerned about the defense because you, you don't have six weeks to figure it out. You don't have half the season to figure it out. You've got two more games and one of those is against a rum dumb next week. So you've really got one more game against a real football team to, to try to figure some things out. That's not a lot of time. No, it's not. And look, I, I think central Michigan moved the ball pretty well in the first half too. They just, they slowed down a little bit in the red zone, which you got to give the defense credit for that. I will say Adam Lunt put this out front of the pod, fellow Florida state fan like myself. Uh, he, he tweeted out 24 players saw at least nine snaps in uh, the game against central Michigan. So that just shows you just how much they were rotating and, you know, a ton of new guys. So like, look, I, I was far, I was far more concerned about the lack of adjustments from Derek Mason than I was just the amount of points that Central Michigan scored. And I and believe me, I, I'm still getting tweets. My, my boy Brian Birchall keeps tweeting me saying that I can't praise Spencer Sanders, but also praise Central Michigan. Uh, look, the only, the only time Central Michigan scored 44 points last year was once, and they did it against Robert Morris. So let, let's not pretend like, well, I think Central Michigan's a really good team. Let, it's okay to say it was a bad defensive performance. It is. So, and look, week one is for observations, not overreactions. And what I observed was a defense that wasn't on the same page, had communication issues, couldn't tackle, uh, let guys run wide open over the middle of the field. And if that happens against Arizona State, then I think we can start to really worry about the defense. But until then, it's just, just observations for me. Yeah, I think that that's all fair. It's It was not a good performance from the defense. Uh, they've said a lot of the same things. You know, Brendan Evers talked about uh, how things have changed behind them. It's just different. Uh, but he also brought up a, a good point. He said it's game one. People were saying way worse things a year ago after game one. And that's very true. I mean, Oklahoma State was up 51 to 14, uh, 51 to 15, pardon me, before it went south against Central Michigan. Last year was 23 to 16 against Missouri State. It's we do need to be careful to not overreact in the non-con because 
not everything has worked out in the non-con. Conference play is when things really start to matter. Just don't lose in the non-con. However you look, you look pretty, you look ugly. Just win in the non-con. And then in conference play, you've got to have it figured out because uh, that's when they really start to matter. So hopefully that's the case uh, against Baylor. I, I will say, as much as I don't like having to start the conference slate against Baylor, I do like that bye week uh, between the non-con and conference play, even though it means nine straight to end of the season. That game against Baylor is a huge game that could determine which team makes its way to Jerry's world. So uh, concerned, yes, panic button, uh, no. Let's just be patient and see what it looks like on Saturday. I absolutely hate where their bye week is. I know you brought that up in, in earlier episodes, but that's a that's a brutal break, man, because when you want that thing in November when your team is just – everyone's being put together with glue and scotch tape and everyone's just beat up, beat to all hell. Uh, look, I, I like it going into Waco to open conference play, but – Man, that's a that's a rough draw in terms of where the the bye week is on the schedule. But them's the breaks. Uh, John Paul Richardson, a guy we talked about uh, after the Central Michigan game. I, I call him Mister Reliable, Colby. Uh, uh, Marshall Scott wrote a piece about him living up to the hype he had in fall camp, and I thought he showed a little bit of speed too. I mean, we all, we all knew he could get open and, and would catch just about everything thrown his way, uh, Colby. But this is just a guy that makes plays and I, I thought his speed was on full display because Colby he tripped like twice on that touchdown and still still ran it in it, he almost fell down twice and still scored that shows you how quick he is uh yeah he's very fast and uh he took that one little spin move boom he's gone 45 yards to the house he's a really good player and I think that a lot of talk about Brennan in the offseason and I get it you know he's he's supposed to be the guy he was definitely the second guy last year behind Tay Martin but I was legitimately worried about what it looked like outside of Brennan after the loss of Tay Martin. And again, I, I just talked about not overreacting too much negatively in the non-con. I uh, don't want to overreact too much positively uh, after a performance against Central Michigan either, but it really did ease some of my worries to see, hey, Braden Johnson's still around. Braden Johnson can still do this. Hey, John Paul Richardson, he looks really good out there, man. He's fast, uh, you know, good hands, works well in the slot. I, I think he's a good complimentary piece for that offense. Obviously, you've got Brennan. Braylon seemingly at some point will find his way onto a depth chart and onto the field more so than in the fourth quarter of a blowout for one quick screen pass. So I, I am very optimistic about the receiving core moving forward, and John Paul Richardson's a big part of that optimism. Uh, he, he clearly has put the work in, and he looks good. Yep, he's he's excellent. Uh, we all know his, his dad's Bucky Richardson, the former Texas A&M quarterback. And uh, did you know Bucky rushed for 2,000 yards, uh, a conference record at the time for quarterbacks? Uh, that that's a lot of rushing yards for for a, for a quarterback back in those days. So he, clearly, he's got the the football genes in him and uh, the wheels as well. So that that's a pretty cool uh, family story there. And he's going to be one of those dudes, Colby, when he's a senior. We're like. John Paul Richardson's still in college. Like he's just going to catch a million balls a la every other number 17. What is it with white wide receivers that have worn number 17 at Oklahoma <laughs> State playing like seven years apiece? That's a great question. Charlie Moore, question. Uh, Dylan Stoner. Yep. Now John Paul Richardson. I'm forgetting there's one more, isn't there? There was one before Charlie Moore. One more Moore, 17. Oh, um, I don't know if he wore 17. The Whedon teams. Cooper. Oh, uh, Hayes. Hayes. Why is Hayes slipping my mind? Josh Cooper didn't wear 17. He was 25, wasn't he? Yeah. Austin Hayes wore number Austin 17. Austin Hayes. There it is. God, yeah. I don't know where I had that stored in my brain, but I, I found it. Well done, sir. That's that's what, four? Is that four or five? 
Uh, 417s that we named. Josh Cooper yeah. was uh, an extra an extra white receiver, but uh, yeah, 417s. All since like, you know, 20, 2010, you know. I was going to say, all <laughs> in the Gundy era, all easily in the Gundy era. <laughs> uh, that, that, was, that, that was definitely well after uh, RW uh, rocked the number 17. So, uh, Colby, I've been really fascinated by, you know, Oklahoma State comes into the year to rank 13th in the country. Seems as if the national media is finally coming around uh, that OSU plays great football. And Spencer Sanders puts up an absolutely absurd stat line against a, a really good team from the Mac. It's not like they were playing, you know, Savannah State or uh, Albany, like, like Baylor did. You know, they weren't playing just a complete rundown. They're playing a really good team from a, a, a good conference. And <laughs> I look at all these national, you know, and look, these don't fire me up. I don't care. It's just more about, I think it's an interesting observation just about the perception of Oklahoma State football. For instance, Kirk Herbstreit's top college football players of the week. He has Iowa's punter on the list, and he does not have Spencer Sanders. He has Missouri, Mississippi State's quarterback, Will Rogers, on there. Not the one from Oklahoma, but the one from Mississippi State. He put Iowa's punter on his top players, but he did not put Spencer Sanders, who put up, you know, the craziest numbers since Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting insulting at this point. If I were Spencer Sanders, I would be insulted to see that list and not have it on there. Again, they're just lists, partially probably made to, uh, to fire people up. But, man, Spencer Sanders just seems like a glaring omission, and you just wonder, like, I feel like Oklahoma State does get forgotten about sometimes nationally. Again, it, it was Thursday. So, you know, Kirk's in there. He's watching all the games on Saturday, doing his work, all that stuff. It's Thursday. It's early in the week. Maybe people forgot. But, again, Carson, what bugs me about it, it wasn't Savannah State. Central Michigan won nine games last year. Central Michigan's probably going to win nine or ten games this year. They're, they're a pretty decent football team. If, if they were in any of the Power Five conferences, they would not be the worst team in any of the Power Five conferences. Uh, there'd probably be two, three, or four teams worse than Central Michigan in each of the Power Five conferences. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly disrespectful to Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State, but it's kind of what we've come to expect nationally. I guess. I mean, I again, I thought he was going to get more respect. And, look, it's just – to me, it's just interesting. <laughs> just reading this again is hilarious to me. Dennis Dodd, his week one Heisman hype. Uh, he's got a – Shadur Sanders from Jackson State. Apparently, that's Deion Sanders' uh, uh, son, played quarterback. He's got a Shadur Sanders on there from Jackson State, but not a Spencer Sanders uh, on his uh, week one Heisman hype. And again, do I care what Dennis Dodd tweets? Absolutely not. I just think it shines a light on where people view Oklahoma State, despite you know their high ranking coming into the year. And I tweeted a follow-up to all these that – and look, Central Michigan won nine games in 2021. They beat a Power 5 school in their bowl game. But, like, Colby, you would think with all this collective yawn from the national media that Sanders didn't put up 463 total yards and six touchdowns, and then he, and even if he did, he did it against Albany or Savannah State. And, he, and oh, by the way, he's on the 11th-ranked team in the country. It, it's, it's like none of that exists in the realm of – the national media's mind. And I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it whatsoever. It makes no sense to me. And look, it, and if this game had been on ESPN plus, maybe I would understand, but you know, this was, a, this was on national TV. So I, I really don't get it. 
Uh, yeah, the only national person that I saw tweeting about and giving credit to Spencer Sanders uh, was Skip Bayless, who said that Skip ba- or said that Spencer Sanders uh, Heisman campaigns off to a great start. Well, that doesn't help the cause. I, I was just fixing to say the problem is the one national guy tweeting positive things about Spencer Sanders is the guy who's gotten so outlandish with all of his opinions that the people just disregard them at this point. So uh, yeah, not, not a great first week for the national media paying attention to Oklahoma state football. I'm telling you, Carson, just the way Oklahoma state is viewed nationally. I think it has to be 12 and 0 for Spencer to get there. I really do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Like the other the other players that are like you know more well known names are going to have to lose a couple games or just play absolutely terribly and have just bad numbers and you're there's just too many people in front of them because look they'll they'll start putting defensive players probably ahead of Spencer Sanders you know the kid from Alabama will definitely be up there and I I could see others from that slow terrible conference that is the Big Ten having you know, defensive players getting getting votes as well. So what about not, special teams? What about the punter, Carson? Give the punter his credit. Yeah, Iowa's punter probably getting more votes this week than uh, Spencer Sanders. But let me go back to the uh, the Iowa punter truther since I meant to bring this up. Uh, Please do, because I don't know how this is a person that exists. His name is Josh Zeman. Zeman. I'm not sure how you say that. He says, dude. Or sorry, he says, dude had a 48-yard average, has punts down to the one and two-yard lines, which caused the safeties. His punts directly led to the majority of the points. What did you do last week? And I think he was responding to Go Pokes 81, who said, ha-ha, I've seen everything. I guess when both punters combined for almost 900 yards in punts in the Iowa game, you got to include one of them, which was just a great response. But uh, I found an Iowa punter truther, which – and I don't care if the punter downed it inside the one or two yard lines. Like he didn't cause the safety, like the defense. I'll, I'll give Iowa's defense some credit there for making a play, just like I did Oklahoma State's when they made a safety. But just it's amazing to me, Colby. The Iowa punter got more love nationally than Spencer Sanders, who had 463 total yards and six touchdowns, most of it in the first half. There's no way that guy's a listener to this podcast, right? He's just a tweeter. Has to be. Uh, let's see. I, I don't remember where he was from. Does he have like Oklahoma State stuff in his bio? Is he a listener? Uh, there's 0% chance of that. He is. Uh, he's from Iowa. <clears throat> of course he is. Okay. He's from Iowa, but, USA is what his bio says. Okay. So then he's definitely not a listener to this podcast. Uh, so I can just outright call him an idiot because that's what he is. Um, Carson, if you give me enough tries, I can, I can hit a good five iron. Give me 15 tries, Carson. 15 tries to hit one inside 10 feet. I can do it. If you give the Iowa punter 20 tries in one game against South Dakota State, I bet he can pin them inside the five. Just keep kicking all day yeah. long, baby. Just keep kicking. They need to put – that needs to be – you know how Notre Dame slaps the play like a champion today? Iowa needs to have a sign that says, just keep kicking when they come out of the locker room, and everybody needs to slap it before they run onto the field. Uh, just uh... – Punt great today. Maybe that should be the other sign. Keep keep punting. Like I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Arizona State? Let's let's start talking about the game this weekend. Um, look, nothing really to glean from their their first game out, but um, they do have Emory Jones at quarterback. I didn't realize he had transferred to Arizona State out of, out of Florida. He's a he's a quick runner. He's a very good runner, uh, Colby. That's something I'm going to be watching for. But um, there wasn't a whole lot to go on with Arizona State through week one. 
Uh, no, there wasn't. They played Northern Arizona, for anybody who's not aware, the Lumberjacks. Northern Arizona Lumberjacks uh, learn something new every day. So Emory Jones, like you said, I didn't realize they had transferred either, uh, probably because about 60 Division I programs have new quarterbacks that transferred in in the offseason. Uh, if anybody cares, he was 13 of 18 for 152 yards through the air against Northern Arizona. Uh, no touchdowns, no picks, but, you know, just solid, respectable, whatever. He is going to be a running threat. Arizona State as a team is going to be a running threat. Uh, had three different guys with multiple-digit carries last week. And, again, this is against Northern Arizona, but their leading rusher, Valaday, he was 15 for 116 and two touchdowns. But Emory Jones, the quarterback, 11 rushes, 48 yards, and two touchdowns. So I expect Emory Jones almost to be a poor man Spencer Sanders. He, he's not going to be able to throw the ball nearly as well. Uh, he's not going to be as good. He's not going to be as experienced. But he's going to be able to do both, right? And you're going to have to worry about him. And I'm curious to see – how the defense handles that because last week, I mean, Central Michigan's quarterback can move a little bit, but I wouldn't really consider him much of a runner. Uh, this guy's going to be a runner. So that's another little added element that you have to deal with. I almost wonder, Carson, though, if that doesn't favor Oklahoma State because they're so good up front and maybe he won't have the passing acumen to just stand back there and just chip, 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 all these little quick six, seven-yard routes. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think Emory Jones is probably a decent player, but I don't think that he should be uh, a big problem spot for Oklahoma State. So uh, what do I think about Arizona State to answer your question? Not a lot. I think they're a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 program, and that's a very bad conference, so that's not a compliment. No, and look, I, th I certainly think that th there's a chance that, that Central Michigan could be better than Arizona State just as a whole. Uh, I know Arizona State's the Power 5 school. They come from the Pac-12. Uh, that remains to be seen, but uh, I, I am curious if Emory Jones is capable of the quick passing game we saw Central Michigan use, and they, they used it to great effect. I mean, it was a, it was a brilliant game plan from from, from Central Michigan, one that I thought OSU clearly, as I'll say again, should have adjusted quicker. Uh, I just, I don't know if Emory Jones is capable of, of such a quick, uh, you know, type releases and, and short passing game. You know, Mike Gundy said that they're going to be under center more than just any team they play this year. Uh, but maybe they'll, maybe they'll mix it up and put them in the shotgun more like, like um, Central Michigan was able to. So I, I am curious just how do they try to expose this OSU defense do they copycat Central Michigan? And what does OSU do to adjust? Because they'd be fools not to, Colby, the way they move the football against, against Oklahoma State. Yeah, they would be. You've got to look at that film from Central Michigan and, and try to do well what they did well. I mean, they had Oklahoma State legitimately confused at times, especially on the back end. And we talked about this on the recap show earlier in the week. You really you, – you can't pick on Oklahoma State's strength because if you're just going to try to go man-on-man -man with Oklahoma State in the trenches – Oklahoma State's defensive front's going to beat you. I mean, 90% of the teams that Oklahoma State plays, the Oklahoma State's defensive front is just going to be better than whoever they're facing. And Arizona State falls into that category. They're not going to be able to hold up with Oklahoma State up front. So what do they have to do? Got to get the ball out quickly and do a lot of things fast. Uh, maybe they can do some zone read type stuff to keep those, those ends honest. But um, I, I actually think that this might be a little better matchup. For, for reference, if anybody's wondering, Oklahoma State was a 21-and-a-half-point favorite against Central Michigan. Uh, Vegas views it quite a bit closer. Part of it's probably just the Power 5 and the name aspect of it. But it's only an 11-and-a-half-point spread. So Vegas views this as a 10-point closer game than what we saw last week against the Chippewas. Yeah, that that's a weird point spread, right? 11? Is that what it ended up yes. at? 11 and a half is what I'm looking at right now. 11 and a half? That's a, that's a strange line. Um, I think I like Oklahoma State on that line, but go ahead and give me uh, how are you picking this game and how do you see it playing out? 
Uh, I like Oklahoma State against the spread. I also really love the over. The over-under in this game is 58, and that just – Already boy, I mean, I good, good for you. I I, I gave up betting, uh, which was good for me, but good for you for betting this over because I love it. Forty-five to twenty-seven is how I have this playing out, which is I, I just think Vegas is going to be giving away money on Oklahoma State point totals early in the season. Uh, I think that that fifty-eight number is a joke. Now we'll see on on Saturday night uh, if Vegas is laughing at me. But forty-five to twenty-seven is how I've got it. I think Oklahoma State probably uh, builds a decent, comfortable little halftime lead. I don't know. Let's call it. 20, I don't know, 24 to, to 10 or something at halftime, and then just kind of keep that same energy in the second half and uh, coast to what should be a pretty stress-free victory. If at any point after halftime the game is hanging in the balance, uh, I'll be pretty surprised and a little nervous. I don't think you need to worry about that. Um, I guess when you have a kid, you got to give up betting, right? I mean, who, who's the kid here? Is that, is, that, is that what your wife told you? I mean, who's the kid here? They come home, they're upset because you lost their tuition on a parlay. I, I, I think that might have been close to how the conversation went, but I'll, uh, I'll move on. Um, I, I think Oklahoma State's offense is legit. I, I don't think what we saw against Central Michigan was an aberration. I think they have full confidence in just throwing the football a ton. I think the, the running game is still going to be very much a work in progress, and they're going to let Spencer cook, which you and I have been begging for for a long time now. And you're totally right. I don't understand the, the over and under. I saw that and absolutely hammered it. I mean, OSU, I think, is going to get close there by themselves, Colby, because I've got Oklahoma State winning 52-21. to 21. I think we're going to exit this game saying, I think the country, I think, if, as long as they're the national media are awake, I think a lot of columns will be written. A lot of tweets will be written. Like, holy crap, this OSU offense is back. They're for real. And I think that's what we're going to see. I don't, I don't see any way Arizona State slows them down. I, the only thing that slowed them down last week was themselves. And I think they learned a valuable lesson on how to handle being up big in a game. And I, I think they will try to work on the running game more with that to try to milk clock if they're up so huge. But, but make no mistake, Colby, they're going to they're gonna keep airing it out and – I am a little concerned about the defense. I picked 21, but I wanted to go more with that. I'm just kind of keeping it lower just because I think they're just a lot better football team than Arizona State. I think, I think Arizona State's going to struggle to make a bowl game this year. Um, and they certainly do not see teams in the Pac-12 close to as good, how good Oklahoma State is. And I don't want to hear about USC. They went 4-8 and eight last year. Okay, you got a quarterback, you got a receiver, and a running back transferred in. Great. What do you look like on both sides of the football? What do you look like up front? You look like garbage. And Arizona State's way worse than USC. <laughs> and that conference itself, they they make they they make the big the Big Ten look like the AFC is how bad the Pac-12 is. And I, I do have to laugh, you know, like the the Stuart Mandels of the world. Did you watch any of that Clemson Georgia Tech game? Like. Georgia Tech is terrible. Clemson is not Clemson anymore, based on what I've seen. And you, like the, the ACC and the Pac-12, they are what Stuart Mandel's of the world think the Big 12 actually is. They're just horrible, horrible conferences. I mean, they're they're way worse than the Big Ten, who I like to make fun of for having no offense. So I'm picking OSU big, and uh, I think they win it in a route.
Yeah, I like that a lot. No, I did not watch any of that game Monday night. Uh, no, Clemson is not the same. I think it's because their big superstar, five-star quarterback, uh, DJ Ulegalalai, uh, he's not any good. And I don't think Thanks. that he's going to be their bad. He's not going to be their quarterback very much longer because he had opportunities when Trevor Lawrence was hurt. He had the opportunity all last season. He had the opportunity Monday night against Georgia Tech. Carson, he's not good. I mean, if you can't carve Georgia Tech up with the Clem with the talent that surrounds you at Clemson, you're not very good, and he's not very good. Uh, I am curious, Carson, as to your thoughts on a couple of games in the Big 12 this week. There are actually some good games in the Big 12 this week. Yes. Number one, and I already know how this game's going to end, so I'm not even going to get my hopes up because we watch it every year. Freaking Iowa State uh. and Iowa. Carson, this is absolutely going to be a game that it's going to be decided by the punter. It's going to make me sick to my stomach. Uh, it is a three o'clock game. So I'll probably get to watch the, well, actually I'll be driving to Stillwater. I probably won't get to watch any of it, which is probably good. Cause it'll probably be off. I'm already mad at Iowa state for losing to Iowa. I guess <laughs> they are, they've got a squinky problem of their own because Iowa hasn't been great the last few years while Iowa state's had their best run of, of football in their entire history. And they still always lose that game. They've got a squinky problem up there. And I, I've already resigned myself to the fact that Iowa State's going to lose that game until they win it. It's like Bedlam. Like forever, I, I would not pick Oklahoma State because they just – I got to see it to believe it. And I got to see it to believe it with, with Iowa State. Uh, I'm really excited, Colby, about the game down in Austin. I mean, Alabama only a 20-point favorite. I say only because <laughs> I think they're going to go down there and look, it's an easy prediction to make. So, so part of me thinks maybe Texas keeps it close in the first half just because it just seems like there's nope. no way that Texas can keep it competitive. But believe me, I already hammered Bama when that line came out. There is no way Texas can keep it competitive. There is just no way they are not good enough. Uh, they are not well coached enough. I mean, Sarkeesian's there. Saban's going to want to go in and beat up on him. I, that number, I think, Bama minus the 20. I mean, you're not even having to give a full three touchdowns. I, I can't see Texas holding them to less than 50 points, Bryce Young in that offense. And do we think Texas is getting the 30? Uh, not particularly. Uh, so, yeah, I love Alabama to roll Texas down there. Good football in the Big 12 this week. Uh, Houston, hey, wait, wait a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. Texas, Texas almost beat Joe Burrow in Austin. You're right. They won the national title. You're right. Yeah. Uh, why why that happened or how I'm not sure but like if you're maybe I'm maybe I made a sucker bet maybe Texas keeps it close but I I, I want to see all the Longhorn tears at 11 a.m. on on uh, on Saturday yeah I think you're gonna see them and I will be able to watch that game I love that it is an 11 a.m. kick also I might get home in time I should be home in time to watch the second half of Baylor and BYU that game is being played in Utah uh, Mormon country 915 kick uh hopefully they don't go to a few overtimes if they go after midnight i think that they'll have to suspend play until monday baylor byu who you got uh i'm on baylor plus the plus the points um yeah, I think underdog this, three point dog baylor is yeah that's a that's a funky line i, I think they are absolutely begging you to to bet on baylor I, I think they are which which scares me for the big 12 even though byu basically is in the big 12 already uh but no that that's a huge game i mean like this is the, these types of games and I'm looking at you, Iowa state every single freaking year, these types of games help national perception. Iowa state losing to freaking Iowa every year only hurts the big 12. Probably it, it hurts them a ton, frankly, because 
if you're a Big Ten fan, you just say, look, like Iowa's not even that great. And then Iowa State's trying to make the Big 12 championship game and they, they still can't find a way to win. Uh, Baylor needs to go there and win. Look, I, I think BYU is really good. Obviously, they're, they're ranked, but and they win 10, 11 games uh, most years, but they don't do it against a healthy Big 12 schedule. And so I, I'm picking Baylor outright and plus the points, obviously, but I don't feel great about it. I mean, it, I, and which what's crazy to me, Colby, is I picked Baylor to win the Big 12, and like I'm worried about them going on the road and beating BYU. Maybe that maybe that tells you I made a bad pick. <laughs> uh, maybe the, the only thing that trips me up here, and I mean it's really tripping me up, is the line. I I don't get it. I get it's at BYU. That's fine. Uh, this is going to be a conference matchup in a year or two. I get it. BYU's talented. Baylor's a top 10 team in the country, reigning Big 12 champs. Uh, you know, they do, are they replacing a quarterback? Yes, that was by choice. They're, they're playing the guy that they think is better. Dave Aranda's a phenomenal head coach. Everything points towards Sikkim Bears. And I'm staring at BYU minus three, and I can't make sense of it. So uh, Baylor beat them by two touchdowns last year. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't get it, Carson. I really don't get it. I, I think that Baylor wins this game. Uh, and if something quirky happens and Vegas knows something I don't know, then good on them. But I think that Baylor wins that game. The only other game uh, of interest to me in the Big 12 this week is Missouri and Kansas State. And the reason I say this, Carson, that I'm interested in this game, Missouri's not a good team. They're not a good SEC team. They're not a good team in general. There is a, a little bit of rivalry here, the Missouri-Kansas thing, uh, former Big 12 foes, all that good stuff. Seven-and-a-half-point line. But a lot of people are really bullish on K-State this year, and I think that this is a little bit of a litmus test. You're playing against a, a pretty bad SEC team. I think if Kansas State is what some people think they are, they should go out and roll Missouri. Uh, and if they don't, if they lose this game or if it's really close, then that, that might make me take a second look at what I think about Kansas State. Yeah, they better beat Missouri. Missouri's terrible. Um, Eli Drinkowitz, I think, has, has done a really good job recruiting, but bless you. Th that's a that's a game that um, that's a game they got to win, and I, I think they will. I think Kansas State's pretty good, even though they didn't exactly light up the scoreboard uh, last week with uh, the statistics. But uh, we didn't do our uni Heisman last week. Who who uh, who stood out to you on the field uh, wearing the the, the uh, white, orange, orange last week? So in person in the stadium. It was Brock Martin, man. He looked good. He, he was filling out that uniform. He looked good, Carson. I was impressed. Uh, he's a great player. He, he feels to me like an NFL guy. I, I don't see how he's not. Uh, he seems to me a lot like Malcolm. He's probably going to be underrated going in, and then he's going to get to camp, and people are going to be like, damn, this guy is tough. Like, this guy, he's taking people's jobs. Uh, so, yeah, Brock Martin absolutely looked the part in week one. Yep, that's a good pick. I'm going with Kendall Daniels, who – is first team all off the bus first. <laughs> He's first team all off the bus first team, if that makes sense. He's <laughs> I, the I guy you put in the front that. of the line and get off the bus because, my goodness, is he a physical freak. And I, I love the uh, the single digit. Just looks great. I mean, I'm a sucker for uh, guys wearing single digits. Is he, is he number one? Is that what he is? Uh, Kendall Daniels, number five. Is he number five? Yeah, I knew he was a single digit. I couldn't remember. Braylon's number head. one. When when Braylon starts to get out there and gets to flashing, Braylon's yeah. number one, and Ollie Gordon is number zero, and those are phenomenal football numbers for skill players. Yeah, love that. But any single digit looks good. So I'll, I'll go with Kendall Daniels. He's my uni Heisman. 
uh, for uh, week one, heading into week two. Uh, all right, it's time for our uh, Chris's University Spirit uniform preview, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisesuniversityspirit.com. Uh, okay, Colby, I'm, I'm perfect, so I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you got this week? Carson, I, I had more trouble this week. Last week, I felt like I had some more concrete evidence as to where we were going. Uh, this week, I think that I'm guessing a little bit more on the uniform. But they have liked to, at times in the non-conference, wear some of their gray. They've mixed that in earlier in the season. You can wear your darker colors on Saturday. It's a 630 game. It's not going to be super hot. Uh, I think that they're going to break out the black helmets, gray jerseys, black pants, and on the helmets, give me just the, the simple, classic, uh, matte black OSU insignia on each side. Uh, I think they're going simple and classic with the helmets. I'll go black, gray, black. You're on the same page again. Um, wow. See, I forgot it was Stripe the Stadium, though. So oh, I'm, I'm well, switching my pick. You just said that. Until you just said that, I forgot. And I'm I have switching my pick. Your pick's on the record. You can't switch. Oh, I know. Uh, I've got to wear white Saturday, too. I've got to come up with a white Oklahoma State shirt. Uh, randomly, I think it's like the one color Oklahoma State shirt I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I do either. So that, that's tough if you draw that. Um, I don't understand. Like, whenever they came out with the new uniforms in 2011, like, black, gray, black was, like, one of the ones I wanted to see the absolute most. I, I can't – I think they've worn it once, if my memory serves me correct. I would love to see that. And let's face it, Colby, they don't have OU on the home schedule. Uh, their, their biggest home game by far is Texas. Baylor doesn't come to town. Uh, I could see them busting out the, uh, the black, orange, black, or, you know, I think they're probably saving all black for Texas. But since they are doing Stripe the Stadium, I'm switching from black, gray, black to just straight up Mike Gundy era, white, orange, white, the traditional home look that you went with last week. Um, Helmet, I think they'll just go with the brand with the uh, the stripe down the middle, the uh, the tricolor stripe. S keep it simple. And uh, I, the reason I like this combo too, Arizona State announced their uniforms for Saturday. They're going yellow, white, yellow with the old school Sparky mascot, the old school Sun Devil mascot on the helmet, which looks great. Uh, I don't I don't like the pitchfork uh, helmet logo. They've tried to make a thing over the last three or four years. Good to see Sparky back on the helmet. And I think yes, the, yes. the combo I picked, I think, complements the one-two-one one combo very well on, on both sides. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think that's a good prediction. Uh, we doing bullets and BBs today? Uh, I don't think so, unless you got one you just want to get off your chest. Uh, not necessarily. It wasn't a very good BB, but I was going to give my bullet, and we'll just talk about it. Uh, Ricky Fowler. I know Oklahoma State fans are still invested, and I know this because my mom is a diehard Ricky Fowler fan. She's always asking me what's going on with Ricky. Big news this week out of the Ricky camp. So in September of 2019, three years ago, Ricky Fowler switched swing coaches from a guy named Butch Harmon to a guy named John Tillery. At the time, Ricky Fowler was the 19th ranked player in the world. He's now the 178th ranked player in the world. News came down this week. He is switching back from John Tillery to Butch Harmon. Uh, won't be seeing him as much because Butch lives in Vegas. He doesn't travel as much anymore. He's almost 80. But Ricky Fowler is going back to the swing coach that he was with when he was one of the best players in the world. So if you are a Ricky fan out there. This is very good news. Hopefully we will get to see some Sunday orange sometime in the near future because that is what has been missing from my golf Sundays. Tiger should have never left Butch Harmon. Ricky should have never left Butch Harmon. No one should Butch never leave Butch, Har Butch Harmon. 
I mean, he is, he's amazing. He, he's so good. And now I, I know he's a difficult uh, personality sometimes to deal with, but um, I think there's a step in the right direction for Ricky. I really do. So that, that's a good bullet. Um, do you have a BB? Uh, I, I had the national media uh, jotted down as my BB. I just, uh, again, Oklahoma State just doesn't exist to the national media. We're just out here doing this for no reason. Nobody's watching. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. Uh, it's a helpless feeling. Carson, we've got a logo, too. Hopefully, at some point, that will shine through. It uh, Maybe it was the whole Thursday thing. I hope you're right, and Oklahoma State goes out and beats Arizona State uh, and just absolutely drills them in Stillwater and just makes people take notice. Uh, that way, hopefully, there's a little more hype for the OSU-Baylor game. Hopefully, Baylor beats BYU. That way, OSU-Baylor is a top-10 matchup because uh, that's that's what Oklahoma State needs, more eyeballs and more notoriety. Absolutely. I've got a, uh, I've got a bullet, actually, that was in my feed. Uh, Calvin Downey, I appreciate you sending this. He sent along this tweet and just wrote, all caps, Iowa. Uh, my, my bullet's going for the, to the Iowa Hawkeyes, the football program. A mother of children. Is how that just sounded. <laughs> the Iowa Hawkeyes, the, the football program. Of course, it's a football program. Uh, since the 2000 season, FBF team, FBS teams that averaged less than 2.8 yards per play and scored zero touchdowns have gone three and 371, which is a 0.8 win percentage. Iowa owns two of those three wins. <laughs> The rest of college football, uh, they win 66.7% of those games. The rest of college football is 0.3%. Someone make it make sense was the tweet from Alex Gukin. So three, 374 times, Iowa, three, and, three and 371 is the record. And Iowa's got two of the wins, Colby. Isn't that just flat out amazing and the reason I've harped on Iowa for so long? That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Good for them. Uh, I've got a BB for you, by the way, Carson, if you want to use it, because uh, I was scrolling through the Twitter feed to see if I missed anything somebody sent us. Bryce Thompson season sent us this on Twitter. Uh, Notre Dame after last week is 2-22 and 22 now against AP Top 5 teams since 1999. But, again, they have the actual logo people care about, so they are parentally overrated. 2-22 and 22 against Top 5 teams since 1999. That is absolutely brutal amazing and that's that just just proves how overrated they are every single year and I, I thought they played really well against Ohio State um, I will say that I don't think Ohio State's on nearly on the same level as Georgia and Alabama though so as, as good as they played in, up in Columbus uh, the second half notwithstanding I Notre Dame's a little better than I thought but the fact that they're they're ranked eighth in the country at 0-1 is just it's stupid I don't get it yeah, no, I don't get it either. They, again, they are perennially, perennially overrated. Um, I, I think part of it is because uh, Marcus Freeman is just – everybody kind of wants to be Marcus Freeman, right? Like, that seems like a pretty good gig being Marcus Freeman. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think he's doing good. I think he's going to be a good, good head coach. Um, but I don't know. He's still coaching Notre Dame, so – Still coaching Notre Dame. Maybe one day he'll uh, move to the Bayou and get a nice Southern accent. Did you watch that game? Uh, yes, I did. But you're Knowles, man. You're a Knowles fan. They blocked the God, If they had lost that game, they should fire. They should have fired Mike Norvell at the bus stop. I mean, what were they thinking running that play that they fumbled on? I don't know. And, and how do you fumble? How are you not holding that thing like it's your newborn child? Why are you I, taking three I, knees and then – Running the clock out. 
or I don't know. taking three knees and kicking a field goal. Like, what are you doing? I don't have the answers for you, Carson. We're, we're three just, straight QB sneaks, and, we're and just then maybe kick an extra couch. point. We're just guys sitting on our couch watching football. We're not smart enough to make these decisions. And then when LSU runs out of bounds, the clock doesn't stop. Like once they set the ball, once they get the ball and set it, the clock is going to run. They literally, I don't think, could have gotten a snap off. But Florida State called timeout. And look, I get it. It was mass chaos. You got a bunch of defensive backs out there. But they would have had to. Now, you are playing in New Orleans. And it's probably an LSU clock operator for all I know. Yeah. But the, the odds of them getting a playoff there were, were, were not good. Let's just say that. So I, I thought Florida State did everything in their power to, to screw that up. And obviously, LSU did as well with their special teams. But what a, what a crazy opener that was to cap off week one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, week one's in the books. NFL's here, Carson. It is it is full-on football season. It's here. Yep, I can't wait. We got NFL tonight. Uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? I got the Bills over the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to be really good. Best offensive line in the league based on some of the, the smart folks I've been reading up on. So I don't think the NFC is any good. So I think, I think a, kind of an, a sleeper team could come out of there. I'm picking the Bills over the Eagles. I have not actually sat down and crunched all the numbers. Uh, I'm going to go... Golly, man, the AFC is so loaded. I'm going to shy away from the Bills, not because I don't love the Bills. Everybody is on them, everybody. And when that happens, usually something goes wrong. Uh, So I will take the team that beat them last year in the divisional round. I'll take the Chiefs to make another trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, NFC side, golly, man, the Rams could go back. I think they might have gotten better. They added Bobby Wagner. Uh, the Bucks could do it. I don't know. I think I'm going to go Rams. I think I'm going to go uh, Chiefs-Rams in the Super Bowl. And, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to pick a repeat champion, am I? That'd be really dumb. But I, I don't know that the Chiefs are good enough to actually win it. No one's done that since, like, 04, by the way. Okay, just to avoid that, fine. I'll pick the Chiefs. I'll pick the Chiefs. I'll do it. Even without Tyreek well, the yep. reason The reason everyone's on the Bills is they were the better – they were the best team last year. Like, how the well, how they in were. the world they lost to the Chiefs was amazing. Yep. No, I'm like, with it, you. It, it makes the, no they sense the how they lost that game. I agree. They were the best team. I just, I, I can't, I just can't see everybody in the world being on the bills and then them just going out winning the Super Bowl because every time we think we can predict the NFL, I mean, we talked about how little parody there is in, in college football. The NFL is just parody on top of parody on top of parody, an injury here, an injury there. Uh, yeah. I just can't see everybody picking hey, the same team hey, when the Super Bowl I, and it happening. I picked the Rams to win it last year, and they won it. It's not impossible. Oh, no, it's not impossible to pick the Super Bowl winner. You're just winner. saying the favorite? I'm just saying anytime everybody's on one team, usually yeah. it doesn't go there. Because, like, you, you had a great pick last year with the Rams, but not everybody was on the Rams. I saw the other day, it's like the NFL countdown crew, every single one of them picked the Bills. Everyone. Not, not one person deviated. And I'm like, okay, there's no way it's this predictable in the NFL. Yeah, I think people are – are going overboard on the bills, but I still think they're the best team, but you're right. I mean, they, they found a way to lose when they, they absolutely should have beat the Chiefs. So, I mean, and they are the bills. I mean, like I, I'm the first bills one to bill. know. I, I mean, I grew up a bills fan with Thurman Thomas and the gang, like heartbreak is, is real. They got, they've, we got Iowa state, Oklahoma state and the bills full of squinky squinky. He apparently travels to upper uh, New York state some as well. And uh, Ames. Squeaky can teleport. He doesn't have to travel. Squeaky can yeah. teleport. So, all right, Colby, get us out of here, and we'll uh, we'll talk to everybody next week.
Yes, sir. Good stuff. Everybody uh, enjoy the game this weekend. If you're going, make sure that you look at the little map and see what color shirt that you're supposed to wear. Uh, let's drive the stadium. Everybody have a good week. Uh, enjoy all the football. Go Pokes.